0: I wanna start this morning though by asking you guys a question. Have have you ever had a dilemma choosing between two things? And you're wondering, is this of God or of Satan? Anyone else been there? Anyone else brave enough to say, okay, a few people, I appreciate that, okay? How is it so hard? Right, we have God on one side, Almighty Good God, and Satan on the other side who's trying to destroy God in our relationship with Him. Right? How is it this hard to differentiate between God and Satan? But this is where I found myself this week. Even in something so small and simple and and maybe silly, for the last few months on Monday and Wednesday, I've been taking an hour in the morning and going to the gym there's a kickboxing gym right around the corner here. It's been awesome. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. It was something brand new, had never done that before. I thought I'm going to try it for a little bit. It's been great. I have really enjoyed it. And Wednesday came, and a few minutes before I needed to leave, I said, you know, I'm not sure I'm where I need to be this week to go to the gym, right? I need to make sure things are ready for Sunday. I need to make sure other things are, are plugging along and where they need to be for other things that we're doing here at the church. And I'm not sure if it's where I need, where where, where to, I need to be for the week to, to go, and I started going back and forth, and then I thought, now wait a minute. What if this is Satan trying to keep me from something that has been so good for my mental and physical health? Right, I've really enjoyed this, and what if he's actually trying to keep me back from this, and and I should go? And then I thought, wait a minute. What if this is God trying to say that I don't need to go to the gym today because I need to be here for some reason? Maybe someone's going to come down the hall or, and need something, or maybe there's a conversation that I'm about to have during this time that I would be gone to the gym, and then I started wondering, is this God or Satan trying to keep me away from the gym? And then I started thinking I spiraled. I started going in circles, and then I had a headache, and I was like, well, now I really don't want to go to the gym with a headache, right? And I'm just getting, this is, this, I'm getting a headache now just thinking about this. It was so bad. And this is just about going to the gym. Anyone else been there for anything more significant? Like when to buy a house? What house to buy? Should we move? Should we stay? Should I get married? Remarried? Who to whom? Is this what God wants me to do? Is this what Satan wants me to do? Anybody else brave enough to say like they've been there? Anyone else? Maybe a few more hands than last time, going up a bit quicker now, okay? Man, it's hard. It is so hard, and this is, I think, the predicament we see Abram and Sarai in today. And I think what Genesis has to say for us is maybe going to help just a little bit. For the last couple weeks, we've been in this sermon series. We've entitled Cultivating Community, Establishing Strong Foundations for Resilient Relationships. What we saw the first week is how God exists in community within himself. And so when he created us in his image, when he wove the fabric of this world together, everything that we see around us, that he wove this, this need for community into our lives, into this world, and into whether you believe in God or not. We are drawn and when we have this innate need for being in community, living in community and having people around us to support us, to encourage us. And, and we see after the fall, we started last week with the person of Abram, who would become known as Abraham, right? And, and God started this plan to redeem his creation after sin entered the world, after we sinned against God. He started with this man named Abraham and, and from Abraham came the nation of Israel, that was God's chosen people. They were supposed to be a nation set apart. And so we started last week by looking at this man by the name of Abram. And in Genesis chapter 15, only three chapters, a lot's happened in those three chapters, but we're going to pick up in chapter 15 of Genesis, where God reiterates this promise to make his name great, to bless him as he follows God. But Abram said in verse 2, O Lord God, What will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. In other words, God, I appreciate your blessings, and I don't want to seem like I'm ungrateful in any way whatsoever. But you've promised me a lot of good things, and I believe that they'll happen. Right? Even up to this point, we've seen Abram follow God through Egypt, and Abram's starting to accumulate some wealth and some possessions, some livestock, and he's starting to grow. And he's starting to see this blessing of God and. Like, what's it all worth if I'm not going to leave it to someone in my family? I, I have no kids, right? If my if my name doesn't grow, if I don't have descendants, and, and what's it all worth? Very common mindset in, in this day, and, and God goes through and he, he reiterates this promise. No, 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 trust me. You have more descendants of stars in the sky, sand on the shore. I'm going to make your name great, and you're going to have lots of descendants, but we see a problem, and... Chapter 16, verse 1 says, Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had bore him no children. Now, at this point in the story, if Abram and Sarai were living today, this is where we would give them some advice that maybe you've heard before. right? Whenever God has promised us something, and it doesn't seem to come to fruition yet, what's the advice we hear all the time? Work as though everything depends on? You guys know you. Pray as though everything depends on? God, Right. Work as though everything depends on you. Pray as though everything depends on God. Right. We, we need to be good stewards of what God has given us. Right. We, we, we need to do our best. We need to work hard. And so Abram and Sarai have a thought. It's not a very good thought, but it's a thought. Verse two, Sarai said to Abram, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. I hope I don't need to go into details about how bad of an idea this is, right? This does not sound like a good plan. But let's keep in mind something about where we are in the timeline of history and God's plan and God's story. Just three chapters, four chapters earlier, God called Abram. There's been no law of Moses, no Ten Commandments, no prophets, no scripture as we have it. Nothing that we read in these four chapters that God says, hey, do this, don't do that. And all he says is, follow me. I'm going to show you this great land. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your, bless those who bless you. I, like, there have been these promises, but there's no law yet. And Sarai says, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. Maybe this, this is how God is going to fulfill his promise. One of the commentaries I read listed four different sources from ancient Near Eastern texts talking about this time period where it was really common for this kind of thing to happen, that if the wife could not have kids, then there'd be a servant, and the servant's children would be children of, of the family. And what happened with the servant after that kind of depended. It didn't always end great for that servant. Sometimes they were kicked out. Sometimes they were killed. But but those children were then seen as legitimate parts of, of, of members of the family that couldn't have kids in the first place, right? So, so this is not a well. This is what the world's doing. So maybe if we do that, God will bless it. This was a common, very super common aspect of the culture. I was trying to rack my brain this week and think of how how can how can we illustrate this and maybe help us understand this just a little bit more. And the only thing that I came that, that came to mind was: Can you imagine a few years from now? meeting your great-great-great-great-grandchildren, right? I don't think any of us are going to live that long to meet our great-great-great-great-grandchildren. But can you imagine meeting your great-great-great-great-grandchildren and them saying, you are a Christian and you are on social media? Right? What if it is unfathomable for them that there is a whole generation of Christians who are on social media, Right, We all know how dangerous social media can be, how much hatred can be out there, and division, how ugly it can get sometimes. Right, This is not me trying to get you off social media. Right, But what if, in a few generations, it is just unfathomable that as Christians, we would be off social media? Right? Almost as unfathomable as it is now that that would be the reality. But we don't understand this time period. We don't understand Abram and Sarai and And there's a good chance that they're just doing the only thing that they know how to do to help this promise of God come to fruition, right? How many times do we do the same thing? God has promised something and we start working towards it like it depends on us. Like if God promised that he needs our help to help bring it to reality. And that's never the case. And sometimes, sometimes it ends up going really, really poorly, even with the best motives, and that's what we see happening here just a few verses later. In chapter 16, verses 5 to 6, and Sarah said to Abram, may the wrong done to me be on you. I gave you my servant to your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarah, behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment and and reiterate, in case you're new to the faith, or in case this is something that maybe you just forgot, just because it's in scripture does not necessarily mean it is something for us to follow. Right? A good chunk of scripture is narrative, it's just telling us what happened. And Sarai dealing harshly with her servant is not good. We are to treat people with love, right? Abram saying, do with her as you please. Right? That is that is not a good thing, but it was common in that day. And so she dealt harshly and Hagar, the servant, ran away. And God found her and said a very similar promise to her about this child that she would have, that he will make him into a great nation. A very similar blessing and promise that, that he gave to Abram. And so we're left in this place of they did what they could, maybe to to help, to do the right thing, to honor God, to to help these promises come to fruition. Maybe it was the really dumb idea, and they knew it, but they did it anyway. And and either way, we are where we are. And I kind of wonder what would happen if this didn't play out this way, if they had trusted God. But it doesn't change God's plan. And that's what I want us to see. In the next chapter in Genesis chapter 17, 13, 14 years have passed. Abram was 86 when Ishmael was born, the, the, the son of Hagar and Abram. And when Abram was 99, Genesis chapter 17, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am, the, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. God didn't come and say, hey, because you didn't trust me, because you tried to rush the timetable, because you didn't follow my my law to a T, then, then I'm just out, I'm done. No, no, no. He said, this doesn't change who I am, and this doesn't change the promise that I promise you. It doesn't change the blessing that I'm gonna bless you. Your actions does not change God's faithfulness. God's plan does not depend on me. God's plan did not depend on Abram. Abram is where it all started. He's he's the father of the nation of Israel. as far back as we go to Genesis chapter 12 when God calls him to follow him. And yet it doesn't change God's plan. We look throughout the Old Testament and we see that that God still brought his son to this world to do what he was always going to do. Regardless of how many people messed up with good intentions or bad intentions, right? We can go through scripture and we can see people like Jonah who they clearly, he clearly did not want anything to do with what God told him to do. Or we have people like Peter who at every chance he had to stick his foot in his mouth would stick his foot in his mouth. But it was with the best intentions, right? Nobody faults Peter for that. He was trying so hard and got it wrong so often, And none of it derailed the plan that God had. So why do I stress so much about the plan that God has for me? Why do we worry and stress and go round in circles wondering, God, is this your plan? Is this not your plan? Do you not believe that God is faithful and he's going to bring his plan into, into fruition regardless of the knuckleheaded people that we are anyone else a knuckleheaded idiot who's made some bad decisions in the past wrong choices come on put your hands up church come on some people put two hands up thank you right like that's that is who we are and so many times we have good intentions and we try, try so hard and sometimes let's just be honest sometimes we don't Sometimes we we don't and we just actively defy God and it doesn't change who he is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Church, what we do is not going to change the plans of God. It's already been done. Right? This this is this is This is it. This is what he called Abram to work towards, bringing his son to restore the relationship between me and you. It's been done. And at this point in history, the only thing we're waiting on is Jesus to come back. Right? And it doesn't matter whether I go to the gym one day or not. God's plan is not going to change. He's not going to say, you know, you didn't go to the gym that day. I think I'm going to delay Jesus coming back another day for that. Right? No. God is faithful. He is faithful, and if he promised it, he's gonna deliver it. and he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to help him deliver on his promise. If God has promised it, then he will deliver it. Now, this doesn't mean that We just sit back and we don't have to do anything that we can relax and we don't try to honor him, right? We we try, we want to honor him to the best of our ability. We want to make wise decisions when we have options to choose from because grace is so amazing, right? We don't, we won't want to abuse it. That's what the song was earlier that we sang, right? Because grace is so great. Like we don't, we don't want to abuse it. It's because of grace that we want to try to do the best that we can to honor God. And so this morning, i just want to offer two suggestions for you two suggestions of of what to do when those big decisions come up instead of spinning in circles going back and forth giving ourselves headaches what what do we do with the small decisions big decisions what are what are just these are just two practical things that i think we should be doing a little bit more often and first so we look for principles found in god's word we seek god We seek God, we pray, we look to his word, and I think it's important that we look to his word and principles found in his word because, let's just be honest, sometimes I have a hard time differentiating between the spirit of God moving in me and speaking to my soul and the bad burrito that I had to eat last night. Right? It is hard. And what's even worse than that, sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really hard to differentiate between the spirit of God speaking to my soul And my own selfish desires, what I want, because God wants good things for me. And let's be honest, I want good things for me too. So, so which is it? Am I wanting what's good for me and best for me? Or is it God? So the only thing that we can be sure of is his word right here. And the hard part about this church, the hard part, that is so hard. The hard part about this is that it does not address everything that we face in our world today. Whether you should buy or sell a home is not in this book. One of the next great things that as a, as a church, as, as the big C church, that we're going to have to wrestle with and, and think through is AI. Have you thought about that? What implications is that going to have on faith, on churches, on Christianity? We're going to have to wrestle through that. And this, this book, it doesn't have a thing to say about AI. But in this book are stories. In this book is, is Jesus' own words. In this, in this book is the prophets. And in this book are principles that we can look to to try to draw over to application today to try to figure out what we should do in circumstances based on the principles that we can find in this book. And that's just where it gets so hard and so difficult. Because you and I both can look at one story and come to two totally different principles, two totally different conclusions about that story, and then we include the entirety of Scripture. Because we never just want to look to one Scripture, right? We want to see what Scripture as a whole says, what principles as a whole throughout all of Scripture says, Old and New Testament. It's vitally important that we look at the entirety of Scripture when trying to do this and trying to look for principles and making decisions, right? The entirety of Scripture. And when we take all of that into account... We have people who land up on very different sides. Not long ago, the uh, 2024 presidential stuff started. Anybody looking forward to next year political season and stuff? Anybody looking forward to that? I didn't. I didn't think so. I'm not. It gets so ugly. It gets so bad. But I understand. How people on both sides, Christians on both sides of issues come to different conclusions that they do in reading this book and trying to the best of their ability to honor God and to vote their conscience in scripture in a way that honors God to the best of their ability. It's hard. It's hard. And that's why, that's why we can't do this alone. We first, we have to seek God. We have to look at the principles in this book. But second, we got to ask our community we got to ask our community, because you and I have something in common. You and I both are really, really good at seeing an issue or a situation from our own perspective. And it is really, really, really hard to even see something like, should I buy or sell our home? Should we move from other perspectives? But when we include our community, when we include other people who we trust, who share the same foundation on Jesus Christ... And maybe they think to ask questions that we never thought to ask. Maybe they have a perspective that we never thought about. This Wednesday night, you're starting a ladies' Bible study on the book, Find Your People. And in that book, uh, the author talks about moving to a new city and finding a new life group. And they had been a part of this life group for maybe three or four months when the life group leader one night said, okay, next week, make sure everybody, make sure you bring your budget, your finances, and we're gonna, we're gonna look through them. She was like, she was taken back. She said, "Wait, wait huh?" But that life group had a annual tradition of looking through each other's finances and budgets. She said, "In the years to come, there is a couple that that was about to buy a home and sell theirs, and they brought this decision to the life group, and they prayed over it, and they sought God, they sought wisdom from each other." And it was a thing that they did in community. Now, I'm not encouraging you and saying that our life groups that we have formalized here at, at Grace have to start doing that. That's not something we're going to implement. But it's not a bad idea to have your community, people in your life, may or may not be a part of your life group, who you sit down and you look through your budget. And maybe you and your spouse, you, you've done your budget and you're like, we're, this is what we're doing, but, but you, we need that accountability. Right? We need other people looking in and saying, let's pray over it. Are, are we tithing the way we should? Are we being generous the way we should? Are, are, we, are we spending our money in a wise way? These decisions that are big, these things that impact our family, like we have to do that together in community with each other. It is so hard When we face decisions in life, regardless of what they may be, to make the right decision. Even decisions that, in the moment, we are so sure are good things, a year later, we can be so sure was the right thing, maybe 10 years later, we look back and say, wow, that was the dumbest decision we've ever made. And seeking scripture, getting the input from our community, it's not going to eliminate those, it's not going to prevent them altogether. But it is a God-honoring way to make sure that we can, to the best of our ability, honor God in every decision that we make. We're not changing the plan of God. But we live in grace. We live in an appreciation of what God has done on the cross for us. We live thankful and grateful lives and try to steward every decision, every choice that we have to the best of our ability because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so with everything we have, we say, God, we just want to honor you. Father God, we are so grateful for your faithfulness, for your promises, for your blessings. God, for every little thing that we do, We just try so hard to live and to make choices and decisions that that reflect that gratitude and that thankfulness. God, we can do nothing to move forward these blessings that you have promised us and your promises that you have given us and so we just humbly ask that you help guide us in ways that honor you. And God, when we make decisions, may we sleep soundly at night knowing that our decisions aren't changing your plans, that you have accomplished what you came to, to do, and that you are coming back and we, we get to be a part of it, but we're not, we're not changing the plan. Lord, surround us with community to help us to the best of our ability make these decisions. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Um, we are going to pause in this moment as we continue to worship and, and worship through communion. And we take communion every week because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his his broken body represented by the, the bread and his blood shed on the cross represented by the cup. So that every week we can say thank you, every week we can let the Spirit speak to our soul from what we've experienced so far in worship. And, and if you need someone to pray with you during this time, I'm going to be down here. Other people from our prayer team will be around. And we would just like to encourage you in this moment to have someone come pray for you and just to listen. listen to what the Spirit has to say. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful for your Son and his sacrifice on the cross. The fruition of the promises that you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the fruition of, of years of promises that they never saw but, but we get to, to see happen and, and saw it come to reality. Lord, help us in the meantime as we wait for, for Jesus to come back. Give us, uh, give us wisdom. Give us peace. Give us discernment in people around us to help us discern decisions that we have to make. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.